chapel in Akron. Maybe you don't even know there's one over there called the chapel. It's sort of like the mothership and um, of all the chapels. This one's loosely related, but I just think of how they invested in our kids in such strategic ways. I'm so grateful for that, but people like Ken and Becky and others and so many volunteers who invest in kids here is remarkable, so thank you. I was, in my mind, it was, so the last, Ken mentioned this orange tree, I'll get to that in a few moments, but this comes out of our backyard, and um, that I bring in, I'm just joking, that doesn't come out of our backyard, <laughs> but uh, we, I remember in 2004, I was leading missions at the chapel in Akron, and I took our son, Daniel, he'll be here next hour, dedicating one of their children to Swaziland, which is right down near Mozambique in South Africa. And um, we went to a worship service that morning. Of a, it was an immigrant church, and they had a tree in the middle of the room, like this, not an orange tree, some type of tree. And they, at some point in the worship service, they started dancing around it, throwing salt and money at it. And I, I share that with you only to say that this is, this is what you get when you mix animism and Christianity. It's a, it's a form of uh, syncretism. It's, it's a strange word where you combine the two. It was one of the oddest things, but it happens around the world. And um, I just say that because I, I want to tell you that our, our purpose here is not, not to worship a tree. I know you know that, but our, our desire is to worship Jesus Christ, and that's it, and to look at his word. And um, that's what we celebrate here. So anyway, I'm... The tree reminds. Last time I was in a church with a tree up front was there, and so I, I'm having flashbacks. Anyway, uh, next hour we're dedicating uh, two children, and one of them is our granddaughter, and she just uh, passed ten months. Uh, this is a picture of Dan and Nicole with their daughter Blakelyn, and then that's Bristol in the back. I want to enlarge the picture of Bristol. Clearly, she has trust issues with me as she's looking at me. <laughs> And so I just can't wait till next hour. I'll be joining them in prayer. But after the service, we're going to go to lunch, and she and I are going to have a talk about trust. And maybe finally she'll let me hold her. I mean, she will not, and I, I don't know why. But uh, anyway, hey, we're, let's, let's get on to the Gospel of John. We're in chapter 15. If you have your Bible, if you have a... Uh, you, well, actually, you have a handout that you receive. You should have received when you came in. If you didn't get that, you can use your Bible, of course. I'll get to the handout in just a moment. John chapter 15. Uh, we're just going to look at the first eight verses. But what I'd like to do is begin with the very first words in the book of Psalms, which goes like this from chapter 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. The law of the Lord, meaning the word of God, the Bible. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. That passage and many other passages like it in Scripture talk about the incredible value that comes when somebody takes seriously God's word, the Bible, and takes it into their life, absorbs it into their life. And here it talks about fruit. What does that mean? It means the, the character of God begins to show up in our lives. And the passage we're going to look at today talks about fruit. Um, now, um, we're going we're gonna to do it a little bit differently today. And uh, maybe you've heard of what's called the, the SOAP method of reading the Bible. We're going to follow that today to understand chapter 15, verses 
1 through 8. Um, th this is a method we recommend when you have your private reading time in the Bible. Hope you do. When you have your private quiet time, or, or we call it the chair time, when you have your chair time, this is a method to follow. It's not the only method, but this is a way to um, move from reading the Bible simply for information to what we say, what we call transformation, where the fruit begins to come out in our lives as a result of reading God's Word, taking it up into our lives. So let me walk you through what it is. I know it's very familiar to some of you, but for, for the rest, let's make sure we understand what each means. The S stands for Scripture. We identify what portion of Scripture we're going to read. Today, it's just the first eight verses. That's a very manageable amount of Scripture to read and follow the SOAP method because what we want to do next is make observations. What, what does that mean? We're, we're just basically trying to understand what is the author, capital A, God, uh, and the author, lowercase, in this case, John, lowercase a, author, John, what's, what's he trying to say to me? And here we kind of take the role of an investigative reporter. You ask things like who, what, where, when, why, and how. What does this mean to me today, right? And then we move on to application. So we're not just reading for information, we're reading for transformation. How, how does this apply to me today? This week, what, what, is, what is this, um, how should this change my life, the way I think, right? So we go from scripture, observation, application, then we just simply close with prayer. It's not a long process. Today I'm going to fill up a half hour, but you could do this in 10 minutes, right? And so it's just prayer, just simply praying, God, I need help living out what I just read. I, I can see how it, it needs to apply in my life. I need help now. And prayer, of course, is just talking with God, right? So we first of all go to Scripture, and what we are looking at today is John 15, 1 through 8. Now, I'm not going to put it on the screen. I want us all to look at the handout. I regret that the, uh, that the font is so small. I apologize, and I really regret it for me because I'm going to have a hard time reading it, but I'll do my best as I struggle along. Now, let me just say this. Before you, before you start reading Scripture, I think it's so important to pray, not a long prayer, but just a simple prayer, and I'd like to pray that with you right now. So let's, if we could, just allow me to lead us in prayer. Let's bow our heads. And now, God, your word is before us. It's before me. Please reveal yourself to me. And then use your word to shape within me more and more the character of Jesus, in whose name I pray. Amen. That's it. And then you start reading, right? And this is the way it goes. Follow along, if you would, as I read. Forgive me if I stumble here, right? I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a 
useless branch and withers, such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. All right, so that's the scripture. We're done with the S part, SOAP, S-O-A-P. Now we move on to observation. Now, let me just remind us, here's where we're taking the role of an investigative reporter. As we're looking at the scripture we just read, we're asking like the who, what, where, when, why, and how questions. You can add to that things like, what stands out to me? What jumps out to me? What words are repeated? What is confusing? What is clear? How should this, what is the author trying to say to me personally? Um, who, to whom was this written? Who's writing this? And so on and so on, right? It just, just investigative questions. Now let me say this, that all of us aren't going to come up with the same observations, right? Some of them may be similar. Some of them may be different. You have, may have more. You may have less. Uh, the reading scripture, I think, is like a mine, a mine that's filled with gems. And as you go down into scripture, the, these, these, this endless amount of gems are all around you. And you'll come up with gems, and I'll come up with gems, and some of those gems will be similar, some will be different. I'm going to show you five gems that I came up with. Yours may be different, and that's fine, all right? But let's start with the very first one. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. Let's just stop there. Now, now what, 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 I'm, what I'm drawn to are, is those, those first two words, I am. Maybe you are too. If you've been reading through John, following John, you, you know it. Jesus, Jesus at times said things like, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And a number of other times he says, I am. If you jump over to the, the book of Revelation, which John also wrote, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. He's, he's, a, he's a fan of saying, I am. Why is that? Well, I'm thinking back through the Old Testament and how God tells Moses to refer to God, just call me I am. What does that mean? Why would we call God I am? Because that means that he is the self-sufficient one whose plans and purposes are not contingent upon anyone or anything else. I am. So here, Jesus is clearly referring to himself as God. And this God is the true grapevine. Now, what, what interests me is the word true, so I underline the word true. And what occurs to me is that when there is something that is true... There must be the opposite also, that which is false. Hmm, is there such thing as a false grapevine? Yeah. Well, now that gets my mind thinking about the entire Bible and how throughout we're warned over and over and over against things like idolatry. <laughs> what is an idol? An idol is simply that take, something that takes God's place. It's something that, that uh, competes for the affections of our heart. So I think Jesus here is referring to false grapevines from which we try to draw life and meaning and all of that, sort of like we look to idols as a replacement for God. What could those false grapevines be in my life? I want to come back to that during the application time, right? Here's a second observation. Maybe you make this one too. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes 
the branches that do not bear fruit, so that will produce even more fruit. I'm a fan of prunes, but here he's talking about pruning. And I don't understand pruning much at all. I don't, I mean, I just don't understand it. We had apple trees in our backyard where we used to live in Stowe. I tried it. I just, I was never comfortable with it. And so when we lived over that way, I would go to this garden store called Petites. It's over that way. And I would go in and purchase things, but I would always ask questions. I, I asked, you're probably sorry to see me come, right? And then we moved over here and Petites wasn't nearby. And then I learned on Saturday mornings from 8 to 9 o'clock on WTAM, 1100 AM, there's a live call-in talk show with Angelo Petiti. So there I am sitting at the chapel one morning wondering, what do I do with our hydrangea bush back home, which has grown way out of control? It was given to uh, Annette and me uh, by her parents in memory of my dad who passed away some years ago. So I want to keep this bush, but I let it go. I let it go way. So I... I called, and I'm on hold. I can't believe I'm going to be on live radio. And all of a sudden, there's Angelo Petiti. May I help you? And I said, hello? And I said, I have a hydrangea bush that's really out of control. I don't know what to do. He says, cut it down. Cut it down. He has, a, he has an accent. Cut it down. I said, well, I, okay, I'll, I'll trim off some of the edge. No, cut it down. I said, well, I mean, like, how far are you talking about? 12 inches from the bottom. But that would eliminate... Cut it down. I said, okay. So I hung up, went home, and I cut it down, totally having faith in Angelo Petiti. But do you know that thing is gorgeous today, gorgeous blossoms. At first, it looked so ugly, it looked so terrible, and now it's gorgeous. That's what, I don't know, you guys who are master gardeners, that, maybe that's not pruning, maybe that's just cutting down, I don't know. But... <laughs> But at first it looks ugly, it looks terrible, but now it looks so good. Wish I had a tree here to demonstrate. Oh, look at an orange tree. Isn't this great? We have an orange tree on Orange Sunday, right? Like I said, right out of my garden. So I'm looking at this tree, and oh, here is a branch that looks diseased. And here is a branch that, oh, I can see how it, the stem is rubbing over against another stem. And that's a danger because the bark can be rubbed off and there pests and, and insects can, can get in different diseases. And it doesn't look like it's contributing to the tree at all. So I'm going to take my little pruners here and cut it off. Except, oh, look at that. Yeah, it looks diseased. It needed to come off. And now I have to explain to somebody how I'm going to put this back on. But that's all right. <laughs> we'll put it right there. You get the idea. Because I, what I want is fruit to come out. That's what pruning does. It makes it look terrible at first, but, but then it promotes growth of the plant. It promotes root growth. It promotes fruit and blossom growth. Pruning is important. It may look terrible at first. It may hurt. I feel badly for the plant. It probably hurts the plant. But as you can see, we have fruit. Come up and eat one once after the service. They're really good. <laughs> this is what Matt Carter says. God's commitment to your fruit bearing as a Christian, as a Christ follower, is greater than your commitment to comfort. Wow. So this is what Jesus is trying to do. You know, as you look through the Bible, God, God never prunes anybody out of punishment. He prunes us out of love. And he prunes us out of vision, understanding what it takes 
for us to grow more and more into the image of Jesus. That's pruning. So that's a second observation. Here's a third observation. Remain or abide. I'll get into that in just a moment. I want to refer to a, to a, to a passage in this, to a, to a verse in this passage that seems a little bit confusing. It almost sounds like, wow, I could lose my salvation. I could be a member of the family of God, and all of a sudden I'm not. He's going to cut me off. But remember, this, this is an allegory. And all passages of Scripture, all allegories need to be interpreted in light of the rest of Scripture. And what do we know about the rest of Scripture? That anybody who is firmly in the family of God, they cannot lose their salvation. We, no one can pluck us out of God's hand. And so the author must be referring to something else, and I think it's this. It's, it's those people who profess to be a Christ follower but never were. Now, I don't know who they are. I'm not the judge. I love 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Only God knows those who are his. So I think that's what John is saying there. But that's not even the point of the passage. The point of the passage is to remain, or other translations say abide, to abide in Christ. Now, how do I know that's his emphasis? It shows up seven times. The word shows up seven times in eight verses. You know, when one word shows up in Scripture, that's important because it's God's word. When it shows up two times, I should look at it. When it shows up seven times, I better dig into it a little bit more and see what it means, right? And, uh, you know, the, the word remain, the opposite is to depart, to, to leave. And John, who's writing this years later, probably remembers the time when all of us were sitting around, all of them were sitting around, and all of a sudden, Judas gets up, Judas Iscariot gets up, and leaves. He departs. He does not remain. How painful that was for all of them. He remembers that. So he's saying to us, remain. But why would you, why would you want to remain and abide in Christ? And he makes it clear. Those who remain or abide in me and I in them will produce much fruit. There you go. When, when, a branch abide, when, when, a, when a branch abides in the vine, when it stays tied to the vine, there is an exchange of nutrients and water so that there is the bearing of much fruit. When you put your faith in Jesus, if you have, something miraculous happened. God's Spirit came to live within you, to give you new life. And as God's Spirit came to live within you, one of his primary jobs is to develop fruit in your life. He is our lifeline to God. As we walk, with, walk in the Spirit, as we stay in step with the Spirit, as we are filled with the Spirit, that is, we, as we give the Holy Spirit control of our lives, that is, as we remain in Christ, fruit will develop in our lives. I think what John means is nothing more than what Paul makes clear in Galatians chapter 5. What are the fruit? What are the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. The prince of all of them is to love. That's what he gets into in John chapter 15. We are to love one another. But Jesus isn't done with this sentence. Look what he says. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You may be a Christian, but try not remaining in Christ. Try not walking in the Spirit. Try not, try not growing in Christ. And, and, and you may be able to be good to people for a while. You may have the appearance of a Christian for a while. But ultimately, eventually, you will lose the ability to be shaped 
by God's Spirit into the person he's called you to be, the image of Christ, bearing the fruit of Christ. Now, there's, a, there's a, another observation. But if you read, this is what Jesus says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. This is the verse I've been looking for all my life. Hot dog. Just the last part. Let's take it out of contest. <laughs> ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Oh, okay. Let's, let's, each, let's go up and down the rows. Let's each name one thing we want. Boat. <laughs> car. New job, right? We, no. I, mean, I know some things about Scripture. I know one. Did you ever see the show, I, I Dream of Genie? Or watch the movie Aladdin? I, I know from the rest of the Scripture that God is not a genie. He is not Aladdin, you know? And I know a couple things about myself that, that, that I, I could easily... I could easily ask for things that probably are not good for me and probably are not the best thing for me. So, so I, the wisest thing I can do, the wisest thing I can do, and to be most assured of answered prayer is to remain, to stay close to Jesus. And what I'm told here is that as I stay close to Jesus, I am more in tune with his mind and his heart, and I am more likely to ask for the very things that he himself wants for me. What does Jesus want for me? Fruit. So I've got to think through during my application time, how am I doing in that department? Am I demonstrating love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Am I? We'll get back to that. And then lastly... Last observation, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. This is the pinnacle of what Jesus says. You bring glory to my Father. Do you know what the word glory means? I learned it this way one time. To, to glorify something is to shine a light on something. To shine a light on something. When we come into this room, right now the light is on me, but we're not giving glory to me. When you come into this room, you're not giving glory to the band we're all together trying to shine the light on God who has given us life and who is the one who can produce fruit in our lives. That, what is the best way to glorify God, to bring glory to God? By demonstrating love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the fruit of the Spirit that he wants in our lives. Now, We've come, we're done with our observations, and we've come to a point of application. Now, why is this important? We're moving from information to transformation. Uh, you know, have you been to a wedding yet this summer? I, I, I bet they read from 1 Corinthians 13, right? And they start with love is patient, love is kind, and all those other things that love are. But they hardly ever read the very first part. <laughs> the very first part of chapter 13 is, you can know a whole lot. You can know a lot of theology. You can know the, you, could, you memorize some, some of the Bible verses. But if you don't have love, it doesn't matter. If it doesn't, you can have the information, but there's no transformation. Come on. Or the book of James, where he talks about faith. You can, you can say you believe in God, but if it doesn't show up in good deeds and loving people... Come on, your faith might be dead, right? So that's why we move from observation to application. So here we go, right? 
So I want to I apply the, the, the five observations that we just made. And the first one is true grapevine, right? And with a true grapevine, there is the danger of there being a false grapevine. So I think during this application, this time where I'm reflecting, I know what the author is saying, but I need to ask myself some hard questions, you know? From what am I possibly attempting to draw life that was never intended to give me life, even a relationship, even a family, even a marriage, even my kids, even my job, or my possessions, or my appearance, or my athleticism. From what am I trying to, 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 to establish an identity that is not from God? Where am I trying to derive value from that's not from God? What what am I boasting in or boasting about that is not about what God has done for me through Christ? It's easy to attach ourselves to idols and to false grapevines. And so I think at a point when you're doing an application, it's simply to whisper a little prayer, Lord, reveal to me those false grapevines reveal to me the idols in my life. And if necessary, prune me. Here we go. Pruning. Um, why do you prune? You prune for health. You prune for health. And, and I need to ask myself now some hard questions here again. What, what attitudes? What mindset, what motivations, what thoughts do I have that don't belong there? What's occupying my heart and my mind that do not belong there? In what way are people around me, those closest to me, waiting to see in me love? Maybe some joy. In the midst of hardship, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I may have forgotten one, but you get the idea. Lord, show me the things in my life that need to be pruned so that I can bear more fruit. And then we come to, oh, this is a great prayer, by the way. I don't want to skip over this. This is a great prayer to pray for being pruned. I shared this with a group of men the other day, and they, this is a good prayer to pray. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. You see that point out anything in me? That, that, that prayer says, prune me, prune me, and lead me in your way. I would recommend memorizing that prayer. So let's move on. Remain. Remain. The opposite is to depart. And also the danger is to remain because otherwise without him we can do nothing. But that rubs against me. That rubs against the culture in which I live. I can do it. Thank you very much. You can't tell me what to do. If you try, if you don't like the way I'm doing it, you can leave. That's our culture in, very, in a very real sense. 
And we can say that to God, too. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, that's very true. As I, as I go deeper into those thoughts, I think, well, I, I could not, I can't even give myself life. I needed my mom and dad. And they needed their moms and dads. And they, they needed God, ultimately. I, I can't even give myself rebirth. I cannot make myself born again. I cannot make myself right with God, give myself a right relationship with God apart from what Christ has done for me. I cannot even successfully launch a Let's Make Jay a Better Person campaign apart from God. I need God. I need to remain close to Christ. And so I whisper a prayer, Lord Jesus, help me to stay close to you because I know apart from you, I can do nothing. And then we go on to ask. Now, there's a lot of things. In the mornings, I pray. My wife and I will pray together. We'll pray for people. We'll pray for different needs. We'll pray for things that we need. Um, and the list goes on and on. But at the end of the day, at the end of those prayers, what, do you, what are we taught to pray? Thy will be done. God, I, I don't know your heart. I don't know your timing. I don't know what you want to do. But may your will be done. And I, we do need this. We do need that. Thy will be done. But what could I pray for where I know for a fact God will say, yes, you got it. And it's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. God wants to produce those in our lives. Now, it won't be just like that, but over time, these are the things God wants to work into my life. And so I whisper a prayer, Lord, please develop those fruit in my life. And lastly, Whoops, lastly, glory. At the end of the day, I need to be shining the light on God. And the best way I can do that is simply through the way I live my life. Lord, help me to bring glory to you. It's not to me. One of the best prayers in the Psalms is not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Lord, forgive me for always pointing the light on me. Help me to shine it on you. And that is going to show up best in the way that I love others right around me, right? And then we're done. We pray. So let's pray together. Now, God, thank you for your word. And um, we've learned a lot from John 15, 1 through 8. And there is more. But would you please take these few things that we've learned And I pray that you would have your way, even today, this week with each of us, that you would give us the wisdom and the humility and the strength to remain in you, to stay close to you. Give us the wisdom and the strength and the humility to walk in the Spirit. And would you please produce within us, as a result of what we do, you do your work and produce with us in, within us the fruit that you want to see that resembles the character of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.